Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 785 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, September the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean and find the show at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, the entire Locked On Podcast Network is doing awesome stuff covering the multitude of sports that are going on right now. If there's a team that you like in any of the big four or the college ranks, there's a very good chance, almost a certainty actually, that we have a uh, Locked On podcast covering that team every single day in the exact same format that you hear the Raptors covered on this here podcast. So go check them out. All right. On today's show, we are continuing our look ahead to an offseason with many questions for the Toronto Raptors in the wake of their Game 7 loss to the Celtics. And joining me once again is our pal from The Athletic. It is Blake Murphy. Blake, how are you compared to what you were three minutes ago when we wrapped up part one? I'm fine. I uh, <laughs> could use another coffee, but okay. otherwise... We'll, we'll try to speed you through this and we'll get you to that all important second coffee. Shout out to the Zoobs. Uh, unless you're already on like three or four. I, no, sure. I need number two is what okay. I'm, uh, what I'm missing here. Yeah. I had two before getting on this thing. Cause I'm professional. All right. Why? Sorry that I had to do radio and another podcast before doing two podcast episodes with you. Sorry. My day has been built around you and I haven't had a second coffee yet. <laughs> It's much appreciated that you've made this sacrifice. Uh, All right, Blake, as promised yesterday, we are diving in today to the three big free agency questions facing the Raptors going into uh, what could be an interminable offseason. We have no idea when the next season is going to begin, but we do know that in between now and the next season, the free agency fates of Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, and Marcus Saul will be decided. Let's start off with Fred Van Vliet, Blake, because he, I think, is sort of the most important one here. He's the guy who's in the middle of his prime, potentially getting better. Maybe he's maxed out what he is. If that's the case, he's still very, very good, obviously, and quite a valuable piece for the Raptors that I'm sure they would like to keep around. We were doing sort of a running bit on the podcast all year long, sort of checking in as to what size of bag Fred Van Vliet was going to walk away with in this offseason. I have a feeling that maybe what happened against the Celtics kind of cost them a little bit of money i don't know it's hard to say also the fact that the cap is not going up and as you've pointed out in your many great primer pieces for the athletic it's likely to just stay flat um you know that might cost him a little bit as well i'm curious blake what's the approach with fred van vliet here and most importantly what's the max you think the raptors would go in terms of a contract for fred van vliet and how does the 2021 question in terms of free agency and luring a big fish play into all of this Yeah, so first of all, I'm with you that this is the biggest priority uh, for the Raptors in terms of the roster because Van Vliet is the one free agent who you look at who's not just, you know, we're going to talk about the centers, and I think two centers in their 30s, those are shorter-term solutions. And if you're re-signing Van Vliet, you're committing to him being a pretty key part of whenever the next true title contention window is, uh, you're committing to that. So these, these things always get a little awkward for me um because i'll just like i'm just gonna lay it out there uh 
obviously having followed Fred Van Vliet's story for four years and covered him, I would like him to get every cent imaginable. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, my job often requires me to look at players as like assets and surplus value and the cap sheet and things like that. And so this is the time of year where I like doing that stuff, but I do feel a little gross about, you know, when I try to think of ways the Raptors could get Fred Van Vliet a little cheaper because I want Fred Van Vliet to get all the money. It's uh, so, so these, I, I just say that because I like, I, I always want to preface this stuff by acknowledging that some of the conversation, you know, reduces a person to their production and their dollar value. Um, but it's a necessary thing to do in a salary cap league. So having said all that, Fred Van Vliet is very good. He is a, an all defense caliber defender, very good three point shooter on pretty high volume. The issues, if you're talking about, you know, what is he going to look like for your team over the next four years is uh, one, you know, there are, there are some durability concerns at his size and how hard he plays. Um, He's missed a little bit of time here and there, uh, but nothing, you know, nothing major and nothing consistent in one place. Uh, But the bigger one is that through four years, he remains one of the worst finishers at the rim in all of basketball Mm -hmm. Uh, because he does have the threat of a pull-up three-point shot, but not at a high percentage just yet. And what those things combine to do is make it make the offense a little tough when Van Vliet is when the offense is running through Van Vliet as a pick and roll initiator. Uh, things can get a little stagnant. They can get a little stuffy. So if you're projecting forward, I think you have to keep in mind that there's a possibility that Van Vliet ends up best off as an elite defender who's mostly an off-ball guy and secondary ball handler on offense, which is fine when you're playing with Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, you know, you could very easily have the ball out of his hands and have him flying around. Uh, But if you're looking at how you're building your roster long-term, you know, it's something to keep in mind. There's plenty of room for growth at 26. Kyle Lowry was not anywhere close to what Kyle Lowry is now. uh, And that includes that his finishing took a dramatic leap in his fifth season Um, some of the same concerns for Lowry at at this stage as with Van Vliet, although it should be noted that Lowry, uh, is more like explosive athletically, uh, and projected as a better finisher than Van Vliet. So, uh, laying all this stuff out, there's no question that Van Vliet is worth re-signing and and that he's a very good player. Uh, and you are certainly like, if you let Van Vliet walk, you're not going to walk back out onto the free agent market and find someone better than him for like $20 million. That gets you Terry Rozier. At this point, um, maybe Malcolm Brogdon, if you're if you're really lucky. <laughs> so, having laid that out, obviously the Raptors should have incentive to want to keep Van Vliet. They have to keep 2021 in mind because with Siakam's max extension, OG Ananobi extension eligible, um, Norman Powell's player option for 2021-2022, and Van Vliet's contract, you know, you get you add all those things up, and and if the cap doesn't go up as much as maybe they expected because of the pandemic then you're looking at, you know, a cap crunch if you want to chase a max guy. And you can always trade off of a deal, but you don't want to have to deal picks or deal assets for, for very little return just to clear up cap space. So you have to keep all those things in mind. You also have to keep in mind that Detroit and New York loom. They have a lot of cap space. They are not very good teams. They could use a Fred Van Vliet. And I don't know that, like, I think you can talk about a home team discount or whatever at the margins, but I don't think if you're talking a difference between 18 million a year and 23 million a year, uh, that's, that's big. That's more than like a stay with your team discount. So if I'm the Raptors, what I'm probably doing is minute one of free agency, 
I'm coming to Van Bleet with a very competitive offer that, you know, whether it's two years so that Van Bleet can re-enter the market in a better environment at age 28, or whether it's four years so he gets all of his money. Um, I'm coming to him with a pretty competitive offer right out of the gate. And my hope with that is to basically jump the market and give him a number he's comfortable enough with that you don't get into a bidding war with the Detroits and New Yorks and whoever else of the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's a little optimistic and a guy like Van Vliet, who's so, you know, bet on yourself and business oriented, maybe takes those meetings still, but that's my approach upon the Raptors. I try to get this done at a number I'm comfortable with that. I think Van Vliet would appreciate the, you know, how much you're coming to the table. So let's throw out four years, 72 million as a hypothetical. That's 18 million a year. That's probably a little bit more than Van Vliet was worth this past season. Um, But if you project him to improve as a finisher or pick a role playmaker or pull up shooter, it's probably less than he's worth uh, in a vacuum. It's less than Terry Rozier and Malcolm Brogdon, but you come to him in a pandemic and say, here's, here's the number. Don't talk to anyone else. Uh, we want to pay you and set you up for the rest of your life to stay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you hope that that gets it done. And then if I'm Fred Van Vliet, I immediately go to Detroit, New York and be like, what's your number? So <laughs> I don't know that it'll work. Um, but these are all the things you have to you have to keep in mind. I know this has been a rambly answer, but it's a difficult conversation. Uh, and it's a difficult situation where this is a guy who is good and is a huge part of your culture and leadership team and what you've built and what you're building. And he's worth re-upping. But he's not a max guy. And if another team is going to push the salary into that territory, you have to be a little pragmatic about this with, in terms of what you sacrifice longer term. And I think, you know, you could certainly overpay Van Vliet um, beyond what you're comfortable with, and then just try to deal Norman Powell. If he picks up his option in 2021, Mm -hmm. Um, there are ways to clear cap space always, but yeah, anyway, that's my approach. I try to, I try to make him feel valued and paid right out of the gate. And you, you just hope that, you know, the relationship and the dollar amount allows you to just kind of avoid the bidding war that if I'm Detroit or New York, I'm probably getting in on because there are zero other good free agents. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Look, look, I'm pretty comfortable going. I think I'd be comfortable with a little more than 18. Obviously, 20. Yeah, I'm just saying as a like you come out of the gate with that. Yeah. And I think there's reasons for that, right? I think, you know, as you laid out in that uh, very well articulated answer, there is a lot of different factors at play here. And that 2021 flexibility is important, but also the idea of what your team looks like in that 2021 season. If you are going after a uh, certain Milwaukee Bucks superstar, you know, Fred Van Vliet figures to be a pretty good fit alongside that guy as an off-ball threat. And obviously, we've seen many teams uh, drive themselves into the ground building their teams for a free agent that never comes. But if you feel like you have a pretty reasonable shot, Fred seems to fit that sort of mold of what that team might look like if and when you are able to bring in a Giannis or even like a Victor Oladipo or something like that, if that's like your backup option and you think you have a chance there. Um, Obviously these are all just names and none of this is hard and fast evidence. And it's all just, it's all speculation, but that's what you have to do, I guess. And you know, the speculation is part of the planning here. I'm sure if you're the Raptors, and then there's also the culture stuff, right? I mean, he's very clearly sort of taking the the reins a little bit, it seems, from Kyle and when it comes to sort of, you know, mentoring young guys. I know Terrence Davis spoke pretty glowingly of Fred Van Fleet this year, and he really seems to fit exactly what you want to do. It just, I guess, it gets to the point, I suppose, if the Knicks or the Pistons are going to come out and offer a full max, it, you know, it probably does 
cut into exactly how much those other things are worth, right? And you have to, I guess, find another alternative. And so we're going to continue Fred talk. I think Fred's worth two segments in this as Gasol and Ibaka, as wonderful as they are, are probably a little bit easier to talk about, even though the playoffs kind of cloud everything with those guys a little bit. But we're going to continue talking Fred in just a second. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com, which if you're a car dummy like me, is a great way to save yourself some money and not get jerked around by the chain stores and mechanics that are trying to charge you as much money as possible for car parts. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. It's so easy. Again, car dummy over here. I just put my car in. I put the parts that I need from the year and make and model, and it comes up with a whole list of brands, specifications, prices that you want, and it makes it very easy to make a decision. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. So Blake, let's continue the Fred talk. Um, you know, you mentioned sort of the potential of the Knicks and the Pistons kind of creeping in. Um, if uh, <laughs> if our pal Duncan Smith, um, you know, who wrote uh, today a piece about how maybe trading uh, Blake Griffin for, for for Russell Westbrook could be an idea, which Ooh. that would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but if that takes if that takes place, that maybe the uh, Pistons are not a Russ, uh, Fred VanVleet destination anymore. That's probably not taking place either way. Regardless, what is the number? that you think and i guess this might just be like a scientific and mathematical fact as to what the number is that potentially causes the raptors some trouble in 2021 you mentioned norman powell i mean if he has another year like he had this year maybe he just opts out of that 11 million or so for 2021-22 and he looks to get paid in the offseason i don't know but when it comes to fred is there a number at least how you're looking at it on your many many spreadsheets where if it gets to that point that's sort of ringing off alarm bells like uh oh this could cause some problems down the line yeah, I mean, I'll be completely honest. As we record this on Monday morning, uh, I am still in the process of updating all those spreadsheets. So I don't have uh, the exact number. I also, I'm still pretty unclear on what we're anticipating the 2021 cap to be. And I right. think that depends a lot on if we get people into arenas next season. Uh, so the short answer is, I don't know. Uh, the long answer is there is a number. I think it's higher than 20. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know, man, like 22, maybe it's the hard thing with this is like you, once you get into it, it's like, okay, say, you know, say 18 is your first offer and 20 is like your comfort zone. And then, okay, you go to 22 is your high bar, but then it's like, okay, what if this team offered 24? Like, are you really not going to go that extra little bit? And then you're just like, first of all, there's nobody to sign this summer, like, well, to, to bring it back to last week, uh, yesterday's podcast, we'll fire up Chris Dunn in that spot. Um, but yeah, man, I don't, uh, it's tough because like, you're not going to get a better point guard than Fred Van Vliet on the market for any cheaper than that, really, unless you just like find a gem of a guy uh, kind of before he clicks or, or you find one in the draft. So um, I don't know. There's definitely a number. It's hard to tell with the, all the cap uncertainty. Uh, I think in the, you know, if you hit the mid-20s, the Raptors probably start to balk. 
Um, because again, like one of the, one of the ways you kind of derail sustained success is by overpaying for like second tier of guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know, man, he means a lot to this team and to the culture. So I don't, I I know this is a wishy-washy answer and I haven't provided an exact number, but I I think the number's there. I just don't know what it is yet. It's hard. It's, it's always hard to tell, especially with Masai, the way he's like re-upped guys over the years and, and the way he's even overpaid for unrestricted free agents a little bit is just like, I think he has confidence in the ability of himself and Bobby to like clear space later if they need it. Like that's always seemed to be a part of his approach. So uh, maybe I'm even underestimating the degree they'll go to in a, in a match scenario. Yeah, that's a good point. And should note that right now, the only money on the books for the Raptors in 21, 22 in terms of guaranteed money is Pascal with the 31 Point oh five million that he's going to get in year two of his max contract. You've got OG Ananobi. Uh, his qualifying offers five point six. We talked about OG yesterday. If you want the uh, the details on that situation, there's Terrence Davis as well. Uh, a couple million on the books there as well as a non guaranteed or qualifying offer, whatever it is. Um, and then you got Norm Powell with that eleven point six million dollar option. So there's there's a lot of obviously OG is going to fill in something there. You're and obviously there'll be other guys. I'm sure they signed to to fill out the roster for that year too. Um, but that's just sort of the numbers you're working with as of right now per basketball insiders uh the other thing too with fred that's interesting blake is you know you mentioned the hometown discount idea and i agree i think hometown discounts don't really exist and they shouldn't exist and you should pay dues what they're worth and give the guys their money exactly like i want fred to make a lot of money as well all of the money he can and you know the, the seeing through of the bet on yourself philosophy would be quite satisfying to see but i guess there's also you know the knicks and the pistons as the two threatening teams are crap. They're very, very bad. And I don't think Fred Van Vliet, as good as Fred Van Vliet is, is making those teams like perennial playoff contenders right away without other massive moves or huge development from guys on those rosters, which could happen, I suppose, if you're a Sekou Dumboya guy or whatever. But Hey, that's uh, that's mini Pascal. That's you're true. Talking about. That's true. Fair enough. Um, uh, but and plus, man, I think you're underestimating the degree to which the Pistons miss being the eight seed that gets swept every year. This is that's true. The, that's the sweet spot for them. <laughs> That's very true. But I guess uh, this is a question that I think is specifically tailored to you as someone who, as we've talked about, you're, you're familiar with Fred. You, I think, of anyone on the beat probably has the, the closest relationship with him, just sort of anecdotally looking at it, and obviously through your time covering the G League. And in sort of your reading of Fred's personality, I'm wondering, and obviously it's not an easy thing to do. You don't know exactly what people are thinking, but how will do you think the potential of continuing to be good with the Raptors versus having to go sort of restart with a bad team like the Knicks or Pistons, how might that sort of weigh on what Fred is willing to take here? Or is he just going to say the most money wins? No, I think it's a factor because I think you have to look at things like, you know, he has obviously his brand and his and one deal. And you have to think about how your profile changes being on a good team as well. And I don't know that, you know, say he wants a four-year deal, you know, when he's 30, coming from a winning situation probably opens you up to better chance at like a, like having that veteran savvy kind of stage of your career. Like obviously at 30, he might not be like done, done. But if you're, if you look at the back half of his career, the guys with that level of experience are pretty, pretty valued um, versus a guy who just like got numbers in a bad situation or whatever. The, the counter to that would be if he can help take one of those teams to the next level, that, that looks pretty good for him. But, you know, I think it's tough because like, I think, I think he's also like pretty realistic that 
the money he's made and will make regardless are like, is like, you know, he's going to be set. His kids are going to be set. Their kids are going to be set. Um, so the difference between, you know, if you're talking the difference between 72 and 80 million, it's a lot bigger or it's a lot smaller than the difference between 12 million and 20 million, right? Like the higher you go up, but also like he's earned that money. And if a team's willing to give it to him, he like the bet on yourself thing is not a, it's not just a tagline. Like it's legitimately a bet. He signed these two year deals over and over again so that he could hit the market in advantageous spots to cash in. Like he's a, he's savvy like that. So I don't, I do think there's an element to it. And I think he likes the organization and I think he likes, you know, that he has a good chemistry with, with Siakam in terms of like the leadership dynamic and stuff and, and the way he fits with, with Lowry and with Nick nurse and with Masai and Bobby. Um, so I think all of those things are factors, but like, just like there's a number for the Raptors at which they might balk, there's a gap in salary where Van Vliet might balk and, and like might also think, Hey, if this team thinks more of me, that's a thing too. So I don't know, man, this stuff is so tough to navigate. Like, like ironically, like, like max guys are easy, right? Mm-hmm. You just give them the max. And if they <laughs> want to play for you, they sign it. And if they don't want to play for you, they don't sign it. Mm-hmm. It's this second tier of guy who like still maybe have one more gear to get to that are so tough. So I don't know, man, it's uh, nothing but wishy-washy answers for me today. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think, I think the hometown thing and his comfort and the desire to win are factors, but those factors have a dollar figure that could wash them out. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It all wishy-washy. You're you're selling yourself short. It sounds wishy-washy, but they're well-made points either way. So yeah, um, and I mean, look, if this stuff was easy, a deal would get done at twelve oh one, right? Like it's definitely. These are why guys take four or five days and meet with multiple teams and stuff like that. Is like I'm sure it's not easy on Fred's side either. Like I'm sure it like say the Raptors offer twenty and Detroit offers twenty five. I'm sure he's gonna sit there and have a conversation with himself about whether an extra five million dollars is worth you know missing the playoffs and (laughs) uh pounding the rock again you know (laughs) uh that feels like a pretty good place to leave the fred talk for now there will surely be a lot of fred talk throughout the offseason because it's probably the biggest story on the court facing the raptors going forward here so we'll get to, to more of that but we will get in the final segment of today's podcast to Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul, whose fates seem kind of intertwined, but maybe they're not. I don't really know. The playoffs kind of threw me for a loop on this entire thing, as I think is probably the case for everybody. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, a reminder that the Sharks are certainly circling around Fred Van Vliet right now. And if you want to go listen to the Sharks on the Locked On Pistons and the Locked On uh, Nick's podcast. You've got Matt Scook hosting the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I was on that podcast pretty recently to talk about Fred Van Vliet. If you want to go listen to that or just listen to general Fred Van Vliet related musings from Matt over there. And then you got Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf doing a great job with Lockdown Knicks as they talk about that moribund franchise every single day and still putting up numbers. Congrats to them for that. And I'm sure they'll be talking about Fred Van Vliet a lot. And also, if you're a hockey fan, we have Lockdown Sharks that you can go listen to as well. All right, Blake, let's uh, dive into Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka, both free agents this year. I think both in line for very different types of contracts considering their play and age. Obviously, we don't need to really rehash what we saw from Gasol. He was quite bad. He looked quite old and a little bit washed in the postseason after the restart, despite looking skinny and hot until he shaped his head once again, trying to find that old magic from last year's playoff run. 
Serge Ibaka was, you know, maybe as good as he's ever been this season. Obviously, his defense still leaves something to be desired once in a while, especially when it comes to 14-footers by Kemba Walker. But for the most part, Serge was great this year. A security blanket on offense who you can kind of throw it to and he can carry you for a quarter or two here and there and is off the court an absolute treat and a delight. And I never want to not root for Serge Ibaka again. What what <laughs> is my question with these two guys going into next year? Obviously, you know, the, the salary cap situations for all these teams out there seem a little bit, you know, it's going to be more compressed this year than we would have thought. So maybe Serge Ibaka is not in line for the same payday. There's always been this sort of like intimation that he's going to the Nets to sign a big deal with them uh, without any sort of understanding of how cap math works. I don't think that's going to take place if Serge is actually getting paid. Or, or how front courts work. Or how front courts work, correct. Uh, <laughs> that, that Ibaka DeAndre Jordan pairing is... Uh, Oh, man. Go, by the way, trade for Jared Allen, Raptors. He's quite good. Um, but either way... Yeah, there's the solution. Absolutely. If they really want a Baca, get that sign and trade going. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, like sort of what is your read on the Gasol and Ibaka thing? I think my dream scenario is like a cheap one-year deal for Gasol to sort of ride off into the sunset and have him around one more year to sort of anchor the defense. Maybe he can rediscover some form after an actual offseason. And Serge Ibaka, I want, uh, I'm on the record. Pay him the max. I don't care. He's wonderful. And I want to root for that guy forever. Obviously, you can't pay him the max. But if you're looking at both of those guys for next year, do you think one, both, or neither are on the team in 2020-2021? And for what reasons will one, both, or neither be there? Yeah, if we're, if we're talking about what we want for the players, like you're talking about, you know, pay a buck or whatever to stay around and be happy and be fun. Uh, the ideal scenario, I think, for Marcus Gasol is you go play for Barcelona and live on the beach for the next five years. And you enter like the Scola stage of your career now. Uh, you just like, you're really, really good for your hometown team and show you up for a world cup every couple of years yeah exactly some ass yeah yeah no gasol's got nba utility left look i feel i know i teed up before the fred talk about like how awkward i feel sometimes um you know reducing players to surplus value and stuff like that if on the raptors i'm i'm pretty cold with the centers uh heading into this like i would love to have them both back and I would be happy with either coming back. I think the most realistic scenario is only one of them is going to come back. And if I'm the Raptors, it's whichever one of them is cool with a one-year deal. And right. I just like, like Gasol's 35 and coming off of two hamstring injuries and did not look good in the playoffs. And if it's a one-year deal, I don't care. You pay him whatever. Like there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. It's, it's uh yeah, that's not true. KCP uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> challenge that a little bit, but uh no, like if it's a one-year deal, you pay them whatever and you make them feel valued and you stick around and you keep your 2021 sheet clean. So this is why I would probably, I would guess it's a little likelier that Gasol is back because mm -hmm. I think he would be more amenable to a one-year deal. Uh, whereas Abaka might be looking for, you know, Abaka's still at the stage in his career. We could probably get a three-year deal on the market. The question with Abaka is like, is who's going to pay it to him? Because if he goes somewhere else, you know, I don't know that these bad rebuilding teams are going to sign a veteran center who's like, you know, most of his value at this point is in getting buckets. Um, and then if it's a good team, uh, no one's going to be able to spend more than like the mid-level exception right. because nobody has cap space. So I don't really know what the market is for him. Uh, anyway, I would be fine with either of them back. I think only one of them comes back and you kind of use that other spot to, 
you know, see what Boucher has, see what those small lineups have in a larger sample, see what, um, you know, if you use one of your picks on a big, see what that looks like. DeWan Hernandez exists. Um, maybe you, you look at a, a retread uh, kind of younger center on the free agent market to, to plug in there and see what sticks. So you can go a number of ways with that. Uh, I'd be fine with both of them coming back, but if I'm the Raptors, I'm really, I'm just not making 2021 more complicated to, yeah. Re, to sign a center in their thirties who both have limitations to their games to a multi-year deal. I'm just, I gotta, I just not going to do that. I don't think. And and that sucks. Cause I love both of those guys, but uh, yeah, I'm, that's where I'm at is one year deal, pay them whatever, bring them both back, bring one back. I don't care. But uh, when it comes to a multi-year deal, that would be like, that would guaranteed eat up 2021 space as both of these guys are at a part where you know, some of their skill erosion could start, you know, like, like a buck is not good defensively anymore, except right around the rim. Mm-hmm. And Gasol likes to shoot less than I do. <laughs> so like, I don't, I, who knows what that looks like 18 months from now for both yeah. of them is what I'm saying. And, and with the eyes that they have on 2021, I just don't think centers in their thirties are the way to uh, invest long-term. So pay them both whatever for one year though. Yeah, I, I'm glad if like a one year twenty gets a Baca to stick around for next year, I'm totally sure. game. And maybe Whatever, like with man. the maybe with the financial situation in the league, you know, maybe he's more inclined to just sort of wait and see what happens in twenty twenty one in terms of cap space and it's gonna be a much busier summer. Maybe a Baca becomes sort of like a second or third tier option for a team that is changing things on the fly or needs to find a big to pair next to a recently acquired superstar or something like that. And maybe just it affords more opportunity to get paid, even though it will be a saturated market with very good players out there. Maybe just the fact that it's not as uncertain, hopefully by then, that sort of, incl- you know, maybe he's more inclined to just take the one-year deal and ride it out till then. Um, Gasol, I mean, I'm I could see you, that like, being a thing, like, on the market in general. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, especially, like, like, right now, I think we're, most of us are assuming a flat cap and flat tax. Yeah. But, like, I wonder if the league even, like, explores, like, some form of tax relief or like a higher tax line or something like that, just because like who knows what's going like, I don't know. It just like, it seems weird that like you have these projections three years out and then it's like, Oh, well the pandemic hit and we're going to freeze the cap. And then like team, like even Siakam's deal, like, I don't know, like if the cap's the same for 2020 and 2021 and it doesn't rise for a couple years, but all these contracts have built in 8% and 5% raises, mm-hmm. you're going to like implicitly and disproportionately harm certain free agent classes. Yeah. If there's not like, like if, if say they bump the tax line higher this year, well then it's like, like literally pay a Baca and Gasol whatever they want for a one year deal <laughs> uh, just to have them around. So I don't know. I think, I think there's still some stuff to figure out on the league and union side with how everything's going to be handled. Um, but yeah, man, if I'm, it's tough. Like, like if you're a Baca, like Gasol's a little easier. Cause like he's at the stage where like he's made his money and like, he might be in ring chasing mode at this point. Yeah. Um, or like good situation chasing mode at this point to, to frame it differently. If you're a Baca though, like, I don't know, does 327 do it for you more than like 115 and the chance to re-enter? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like and like that might come down to personal preference and personal risk profiles. Yeah, it's uh, it's all very complex. I will say I don't think 
the Fred Van Vliet situation should impact this one. Like, I, I think no. if like, they lose Fred, I don't think that means you go and give Serge extra. No, Fred, like, Fred is a 2021 consideration and yeah. either of like, sorry, I shouldn't frame it like Fred is a long-term consideration and either center is a, to me, a short-term consideration. You're not yeah. like, if like, say you get Giannis right in 2021 yeah. and your core is Giannis, Siakam, OG, Fred and Terrence Davis and whatever else around the periphery. Mm-hmm. Like, in no way have you planned to have 34-year-old Serge Ibaka (laughs) at $10 million a year, like, be a part of that. And I don't mean that to be negative about Ibaka. I'm because he's still good. Like, like we saw in the playoffs, like, yeah, he was only a positive plus minus in one of those seven games. But, like, look at how valuable a bench big who can score is. Yeah. Like, especially for a team that cannot create in the half court otherwise. Um, But, you know, I, I don't, yeah, just longer term. It's just not. It doesn't make sense to to invest that way. So you here's what you do: you sign Surge to a one year max this year, <laughs> and then to complete Vision Africa, once Giannis is signed, you sign Ibaka to like a five year minimum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably get hit with some cap circumvention penalties, probably. but like, look, <laughs> it's not like the Raptors aren't going to get fined for tampering Giannis at some point, like. It's a wonder it didn't happen in the bubble. That's uh Yeah, like like when if we're doing traveling to arenas in for next season, like it's going to be so weird when the Raptors decide to hold the Bucks visit at an outdoor court on the Danforth. Like <laughs> it's it's just like, "Oh no, this is the, the our annual uh Greek streetball game." Uh <laughs> Yeah, catered by Massini and Playing some real hero ball out there. Uh, yeah, it's oh, a good place to finish it off. Uh, Blake, thank you so much for taking far too much of your Monday to talk to me for two episodes of the podcast. I know the listeners will appreciate it because you're smarter than anybody when it comes to this stuff. And well, that's uh, not true. All my answers were, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really smart to know when you don't know. That's yeah. That's I mean, hey, it's, of it's intelligence. one of the most important things, right? Is like, if, you know, you can't come on here and. I mean, you can, it's, it's what a lot of our industry is built around is just coming on and saying stuff you don't know for sure, but saying it really convincingly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we don't know free agency stuff is hard and the Fred, the Fred situation is just real tough, man. It's uh, I hope he's back because I enjoy him as a person and a player. And, As I've uh, said all along, run back this exact team until they're all 50. I don't care. Uh, I just want a fun, easy. I might care team. about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, you, let, let's, I will go as far as you could run it back for next season. Okay. Not fine. until they're all 50. Fine. Uh, and see, that's the thing. It, me bringing you on this podcast is a sign that I also know what I don't know because I'm a dumbass and uh, I need someone to set me straight on my dumbass. Oh, you know what's really depressing about the run it back until they're all 50 idea? What's that? When Kyle and Mark are 50, I'll be 50. <laughs> that that uh, makes me want to see it more just uh, for that tournament uh, that it'll cause you. Yeah. One of those guys has to be back because I can't be the oldest guy in the locker room. Oh, yeah. That's oh, – I'm very sad for you that that's getting close to being a thing. Very close. Like, yeah. like the playoff discussion around how washed Gasol looked <laughs> and he's, like, a year older than me and, like, everyone being amazed that Kyle is still good and he's six weeks older <laughs> than me. Like, oh, boy. It's like, uh, you know, your whole argument for not – tearing things down is so that you don't quickly become the oldest guy in the room right yes. i mean hey look like grange and bruce arthur and eric's older than you right like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i just mean i yeah Fine. i shouldn't say the oldest guy in the room i just mean <laughs> older than any of the players on the roster it's i feel okay. like that's a like career transition everyone makes in this industry 
and uh, I'm not looking forward to it. None of these guys defend uh, bloggers as stoutly as you do in pickup basketball games. So you can feel very, there's no circumstantial proof or no, neither, no proof circumstantial or hard either way of any of these guys being better at defending Raptors Republic writers than, yeah. uh, than you are. So that feels like a good place to leave it. Blake, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on, man. It's been great. Um, please promote your stuff. Yeah, you can find all my stuff at The Athletic, as always. Uh, and right now, I think it's always a good value, but right now subscriptions are only $1.25 a month for new subscribers uh, to celebrate us hitting a million subscribers. So uh, jump on that because it's, uh, that's pretty cheap. And even if I, even if I regress and, as I hit the Kyle Lowry, Marcus all part of my aging curve, I still <laughs> think I can deliver on $1.25 a month of value. I am certain you can as well. Also, go check out Blake's music podcast, Columbia House Party. It's lovely. Oh, yeah. This I always week, forget to plug that. Yeah. Well, this week, uh, you, you had returning guests to the podcast, James Herbert, on to talk about Billy Talent, which is the most me sentence of all time. Yeah. It's extremely my shit. Um, so if you want to go hear the music that I listened to when I was 13 and uh, fake angry, go uh, listen to Columbia House Party because it is wonderful i still bop some billy talent nowadays now now and then as well because that first album holds up exceptionally well so does the second one yeah also very good uh shout out to billy talent good dudes as well that is going to do it for this podcast we've hit a lot of things here thank you so much for tuning in uh over the course of the week you can expect a few things i'll probably do a mailbag episode at some point with katie so keep an eye out there and then after they announce the all nba uh ballots we will be doing a review of our over under picks from before the season with myself vivek and sahal literally recorded like a year ago uh we'll be taking a look back and seeing how we each did on our over under uh, we did 10 i believe for the season and uh who knows we haven't checked in on those in months because uh there was you know that whole shutdown thing we'll get to that later in the week as well as always make sure you're checking out all the stuff on the lockdown podcast network it's much appreciated when you leave ratings and reviews and subscribe to all the shows that you want to support covering the teams that you like and with that we'll talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors Thank you.